You are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, I invite you to head on over to Facebook and there find the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group page, and you'll be able to share your own thoughts and reflections with those who are following along. If you would like to support this podcast, you can do so by sending a tip through Venmo to Mystical City of God. Now let us thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 308, and we are reading from Volume 4, Book 7, Chapter 14, Paragraphs 258 to 267. 258. The Lord delighted in the voice and clamors of his most loving mother and spouse, and therefore he asked more particularly, as if ignorant of what she desired him to grant, and what beforehand could not be denied to her great merits and love. In these ruses of love, Christ our Lord continued for some time conversing with his sweetest mother, while she pleaded for the end of persecution and the conversion of Saul, among other things. He said, My mother, if in my mercy I show clemency to Saul, how shall my justice be satisfied? Since Saul persists in the deepest unbelief and malice, and with all his heart serves my enemies for the destruction of my church and the blotting out of my name from the face of the earth, thus meriting my wrath and chastisement. To this argument, which was so conclusive on the side of justice, the mother of mercy and wisdom was not at a loss for response. And she answered, My Lord and eternal God, my son, the turgid floods of guilt in Saul were not sufficient to extinguish the fire of thy divine love, when, as thou hast thyself manifested to me. Thou didst choose Paul as thy apostle, and as a vase of election, acceptable to thy divine mind and worthy to be written in thy memory. More powerful and efficacious were thy infinite mercies, by which thou hast founded thy beloved church. And therefore I do not ask anything which thou thyself hast not resolved upon beforehand. But I grieve, my son, that this soul should proceed to greater length for the ruin and perdition of itself and of others if it can be like that of others, and that a hindrance should be placed to the glory of thy name, to the joy of the angels and saints, to the consolation of the just, to the confidence afforded to sinners, and to the confusion of thy enemies. Do not then, my son and Lord, despise the prayers of thy mother. Let thy divine decrees be executed, and let me see thy name magnified, for the time and the occasion are opportune, and my heart cannot suffer such a blessing to be delayed." 259. During this appeal, the charity in the bosom of the most chaste virgin queen broke out into such a flame that without a doubt it would have consumed her natural life. 
if the Lord had not preserved her by the miraculous interference of his almighty power. Although, in order to enjoy the delight of the excessive love of this creature, he permitted his blessed mother to suffer some acceptable pain, as it were, to fall into a kind of swoon. Yet her son, who, according to our way of understanding, could no longer resist the love which wounded his heart, consoled and restored her by yielding to her prayers. He said, My mother, chosen among all creatures, let thy will be done without delay. I will do with Saul as thou askest, and will so change him, that from this moment he will be a defender of the church, which he persecutes, and a preacher of my name and glory. I shall now proceed to receive him immediately into my friendship and grace. 260. Thereupon Jesus Christ our Lord disappeared from the presence of his most blessed mother, leaving her still engaged in prayer and furnished with a clear insight into what was to happen. Shortly afterward, the Lord appeared to Saul on the road near Damascus, whither, in his ever-increasing fury against Jesus, his accelerated journey had already brought him. The Lord showed himself to Saul in a resplendent cloud, amid immense glory, and at the same time Saul was flooded with divine light, without and within, and his heart and senses were overwhelmed beyond power of resistance. Acts 9.4 He fell suddenly from his horse to the ground, and at the same time he heard a voice from on high, saying, Saul, Saul, why dost thou persecute me? Full of fear and consternation, he answered, Who art thou, Lord? The voice replied, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the goad of my omnipotence. Again Saul answered with greater fear and trembling, Lord, what dost thou command and desire to do with me? The companions of Saul heard those questions and answers, though they did not see the Savior. They saw the splendor surrounding him, and all of them were filled with dread and astonishment at this sudden and unthought-of event, and they were for some time dumbfounded. 2.61 This new wonder, surpassing all that had been seen in the world before, was greater and more far-reaching than what could be taken in by the senses. For Saul was not only prostrated in body, blinded and bereft of his strength, so that if the divine power had not sustained him, he would have immediately expired. But also as to his interior, he suffered more of a change than when he passed from nothingness into existence at his conception. Farther removed from what he was before then, light from darkness, or the highest heaven from the lowest earth, for he was changed from an image of the demon to that of one of the highest and most ardent seraphim. This triumph over Lucifer and most ardent seraphim. This triumph over Lucifer and his demons had been especially reserved by God for his divine wisdom and omnipotence, so that in virtue of the passion and death of Christ, this dragon and his malice might be vanquished by the human nature of one man, in whom the effects of grace and redemption were set in opposition to the sin of Lucifer and all its effects. Thus it happened that in the same short time in which Lucifer through pride was changed from an angel to a devil, the power of Christ changed Saul from a demon into an angel in grace. In the angelic nature, the highest beauty turned into the deepest ugliness, and in the human nature, the greatest perversity into the highest moral perfection. Lucifer descended as the enemy of God from heaven to the deepest abyss of the earth, and a man ascended as a friend of God from the earth to the highest heaven. 2.62 And since this triumph would not have been sufficiently glorious if the Lord had not given more than Lucifer had lost— the Omnipotent wished to add in St. Paul an additional triumph to his victory over the demon. 
For Lucifer, although he fell from the exceedingly high grace which he had received, had never possessed beatific vision, nor had he made himself worthy of it, and hence could not lose what he did not possess. But Paul immediately, on disposing himself for justification, and on gaining grace, began to partake of glory, and clearly saw the divinity through the vision was gradual. O invincible virtue of the divine power! O infinite efficacy of the merits of the life and death of Christ! It was certainly reasonable and just that if the malice of sin in one instant changed the angel into a demon, that the grace of the Redeemer should be so more powerful and abound more than sin, Romans 5.20, raising up from it a man not only to place him into original grace but into glory. Greater is this wonder than the creation of heaven and earth, with all the creatures greater than to give sight to the blind, health to the sick, life to the dead. Let us congratulate the sinners on hope inspired by this wonderful justification, since we have our restorer for our father and for our brother, the same Lord who justified Paul, and he is not less powerful nor less holy for us than for St. Paul. 2.63 During the time in which Paul lay prostrate upon the earth, he was entirely renewed by sanctifying grace and other infused gifts restored and illumined proportionately in all his interior faculties. And thus he was prepared to be elevated in the Empyrean heaven, which is called the third heaven. He himself confesses that he did not know whether he was thus elevated in body or in spirit. 1 Corinthians 12.4 But there, by more than ordinary vision, though in a transient manner, he saw the divinity clearly and intuitively. Besides the being of God and his attributes of infinite perfection, he recognized the mystery of the Incarnation and Redemption, and all the secrets of the law of grace and of the state of the church. He saw the peerless blessing of his justification and of the prayer of St. Stephen for him, and still more clearly was he made aware of the prayers of the Most Holy Mary, and how his conversion had been hastened through her, and that after Christ her merits had made him acceptable in the sight of God. From that hour on he was filled with gratitude and with deepest veneration and devotion to the great Queen of Heaven whose dignity was now manifest to him and whom he thenceforth acknowledged as his restorer. At the same time, he recognized the office of apostle, to which he was called, and that in it he was to labor and suffer unto death. In conjunction with these mysteries were revealed to him many others, of which he himself says that they are not to be disclosed. 2 Corinthians 7.4 He offered himself in sacrifice to the will of God, in all things as he showed afterwards in the course of his life. The Most Blessed Trinity accepted this sacrifice and offering of his lips, and in the presence of the whole court of heaven named and designated him as the preacher and teacher of the Gentiles, and as a vase of election for carrying through the world the name of the Most High. 2.64 For the blessed in heaven this day was one of great accidental joy and jubilee, and all of them composed new songs of praise and exaltation of the divine power for such a rare and extraordinary miracle if at the conversion of any sinner they are filled with joy, Luke 15:7, with what joy were they not filled at seeing the greatness of the Lord's mercy thus manifested, and such an immense blessing conferred upon all the mortals for the glory of his holy church? Saul came out of his rapture into Paul, and rising from the ground, he seemed to be blind and could not see the light of the sun. His companions brought him to Damascus to the house of the one of his acquaintances, and there, to the admiration of all, he remained three days without eating or drinking, engaged in earnest prayer. 
He prostrated himself on the ground, and, as he was now in a state to deplore his sins with deepest sorrow and detestation of his past life, he prayed, Woe is me! In what darkness and blindness have I lived, and how far I have hastened on the way of eternal perdition! O infinite love! O charity without measure! O infinite sweetness of the eternal bounty! Who, O my Lord and God, has induced thee to act thus toward me, the vile worm of the earth, thy enemy and blasphemer? But who could induce thee except thyself in the prayers of thy mother and spouse? When I in blindness and darkness persecuted thee, thou, most kind Lord, camest to meet me, while I was busy shedding the innocent blood which shall always cry out against me, thou, the God of mercies, didst wash and purify me with thy own, and make me a partaker of thy ineffable divinity." How shall I praise eternally such unheard-of mercies? How shall I sufficiently bewail a life so hateful in thy eyes? The heavens and the earth proclaim thy glory. I shall preach thy holy name, and shall defend it in the midst of the enemies. Such and other aspirations St. Paul repeated with matchless sorrow, and with acts of the most ardent charity, and with the deepest and most humble gratitude. 2.65 On the third day... After the disablement and conversion of Saul, the Lord spoke in a vision to one of the disciples, Ananias, living in Damascus. Acts 9.10 Calling him by name as his servant and friend, the Lord told him to go to the house of a man named Judas, in a certain district of the city, and there to find Saul of Tarsus, whom he would find engaged in prayer. At the same time, Saul also had a vision in which he saw and recognized the disciple Ananias, coming to him and restoring sight to him by the imposition of hands. But of this vision of Saul, Ananias at that time had no knowledge. Therefore he answered, Lord, I have information of this man, having persecuted thy saints in Jerusalem, and caused a great slaughter of them in Jerusalem, and satisfied with this, he has now come with warrants from the high priests, in order to seize whomever he can find, invoking thy holy name. Dost thou then send a simple sheep like myself to go in search of the wolf that desires to devour it? The Lord replied, Go for the one thou judgest to be the enemy, is for me a vase of election, in order that he may carry my name through all the nations and kingdoms, and to the children of Israel. And I can say, as I shall assign to him, what is to suffer for my name. And the disciple was at once informed of all that had happened. 2.66 Relying on this word of the Lord, Ananias obeyed and betook himself at once to the house in which St. Paul then was. He found him in prayer and said to him, Brother Saul, our Lord Jesus, who appeared to thee on thy journey, sends me in order that thou mayest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. He received Holy Communion at the hands of Ananias and was strengthened and made whole, giving thanks to the author of all these blessings. Then he partook of the same corporeal nourishment of which he had not tasted for three days. He remained for some time in Damascus, conferring and conversing with the disciples in that city. He prostrated himself at their feet, asking their pardon and begging them to receive him as their servant and brother, even as the last and most unworthy of them all. At their approval and counsel, he went forth publicly to preach Christ as the Messiah and Redeemer of the world, and with such fervor, wisdom, and zeal that he brought confusion to the unbelieving Jews in the numerous synagogues of Damascus. All wondered at this unexpected change, and in great astonishment said, is not this the man who in Jerusalem had persecuted with fire and sword all who invoked that name? And has he not come to bring them prisoners to the chief priests of that city? What change, then, is this which we see in him? 
267. St. Paul grew stronger each day and with increasing force continued his preaching to the gathering of the Jews and the Gentiles. Accordingly, they schemed to take away his life and then happened what we shall touch upon later. The miraculous conversion of St. Paul took place one year and one month after the martyrdom of St. Stephen, on the 25th of January, the same day on which the church celebrates that feast. And it was in the year 36 of the birth of our Lord, because St. Stephen, as is said in chapter 12, died completing his 34th year and one day of his 35th, whereas the conversion of St. Paul took place after he had completed one month of the 36th. And then St. James departed on his missionary journey, as I will say in its place. This concludes our reading today for day number 308. We've been reading from Volume 4, Book 7, Chapter 14, Paragraphs 258 to 267. We continue to hear today about the conversion of St. Paul and how Our Lady secures this from our Lord that she begs for it, that she asks for it. And how much greater is the church now? Because the one who was persecuting it has become a believer. And now he shares his story and how great that is because it will gain the converts for the church. That now one who is so zealous for trying to eliminate is so zealous to spread the word of God. And I can only imagine as Saul, we heard, became aware of the fact that Our Lady was responsible for his conversion, what it would have been like for Saul to meet the Blessed Mother. They don't meet yet in our reading today. And I wonder if that's in a forthcoming chapter, like having St. Paul meet Our Lady. How does he thank her? His life is completely changed. And that's true for all of us. As we continue to come into contact with the Lord, our life is changed because of it. And so we thank Our Lady for her assistance in our own life, for the changes which she facilitates for us as well. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.